called to follow Jesus. We're called to be followers of Jesus Christ. Um, in, this, in this life that we live, um, one of the ways that we can... Um, let, me, let me just get to it. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how else to do it. But anyways, um, if I want to push this chain from here to... Let's say this is the goal right here. Uh, this speaker right here this microphone stand right here. If I were to push it to this end, do you think everything will get there? It would be a pretty hassle, a big hassle to get everything pushed over here. Does that make sense? What if I were to, to if I could find the head on the end, pull it all the way over here? How, how easy is this to do? Pretty easy, right? It's really easy for me to pull versus to push. I think a lot of us in our lives today, we're living a life where everything around us is a race. It's a competition to get there. And we're not united. We're not in a team. We're pushing. A lot of uh, the places that, like the place I work, it's a race. <laughs> Monday through Friday, it's a race. We're in name. We're we're a team only in name only, um, and everybody is pretty much on their own in this kingdom of the earth that we live in. In this kingdom, is earthly kingdom that we live in. Everything is a race. You're in it for yourself, right? So the saying goes, right? If you can't carry your own weight, you're out, right? So a lot of companies will have that um, that team mentality, but not only is not a team, it's you're in it for yourself. You're trying to race from one end to the other. You feel that you have a lot of pressures to make it. Why, a lot of people in the systems of the world today, I feel like it sometimes, is it, why can't I make this goal? Why, can, why do I, I feel like it? You feel like those times when everybody else has made it to the end, everybody else has made it to that goal, and yet I'm still over here struggling, trying to make it trying to make it to the end. But it's not so in the kingdom of God, right? Because we follow Christ. He is the head, he's the Lord, and we follow Christ. We are called to follow Christ. Right. We are called to submit ourselves and follow Christ. Right. The thing is, following is not so easy. Following is not so easy. Like Christ said, you have to deny yourself. You have to give up. You have to give up yourself and your soul in our rights, right? In our world, we have this, this thinking like, it's all about me, and I have to make it. And it is that competition mentality that comes in, and it's the idea like, I have to do this on my own. I'm on my own. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you are not alone, that Christ is with you. And if you only submit, if you would only submit yourself, he's going to lead you the way. He's going to lead you all the way. He's going to lead you to home. He's going to guide you and direct your paths and give you hope in every situation that you have. Right. right. So, um, in the system of competition, there's the idea of it's all about me. It's all about what I can do. It's all about what it, what it is for, for me right now. People don't matter. It's not so much about the team. It's not about the people. And in this kingdom of God, it's about people. Right. 
It's about heart. It's about who you are. And God is so much concerned about you that he died for you. Everyone, every single one of us, every single soul in here, he died for you. Um, give me a moment as I find my notes. I'm getting used to getting used to using an iPad. I'm like, I should have printed this, but I'm okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, that's all right. Um, <laughs> so let me talk a little bit more about the kingdom of God and the fact that you're called to follow Christ that you and I are called to follow the Savior. Um, when you realize that you're a single part of this chain, as a single part of the chain, you have somebody or you have a leader who linking up to you and leading you up to the end goal. This is who we are called to be. Um, we realize that it's not just like the kingdom of the earth where I have to figure it out on my own. I have to, I'm pushed from this end to the other end and I have to figure it out by my, on my own. Or there's a lot of greasing. There's a lot of friction that comes in. Um, it is not... I'm just going to read it. Um, but it's not so in the kingdom of God. It is not so in the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm, I'm glad the kingdom of God... Hold on, guys. Give me a moment. Thank you. Okay. In this, king, in this earthly kingdom where we are trying to push from one end to the other end, um, fear and certainty happens. I know in my culture, in the, in the company that I work in, the company culture that I work in, there is always fear. There's always what's going to happen next. What's going to go on? Who's going to get cut? Who's not going to make the team? Right? I know if some of you work in the sales environment, there is that competitive environment is just like, I gotta get the numbers, I gotta get it today. And if I don't, then I'm out, right? If I don't, what's gonna happen to my family? Right. There's that competition as, as, aspect of life. But in the kingdom of God, or in the, and what we should be as a, as, a, as a people who follow Christ, is a people that trust God. In following God, you have to, first of all, give up yourself, give up your rights, or so-called rights, and say, I, you know what, I'm going to submit. I'm going to follow, and I'm, I'm going to believe that God has a way for me. And I'm going to believe that God knows the end destination. Right. And I am believe God knows what he's doing, even though I don't see the end. This morning as we were praying, um, somebody was praying about um, people in difficult situations. And things that are going on. And sometimes I know when you're in a difficult situation, you don't know what's going to be next, right? All you can see is this moment right now. As a piece of this chain, if I were to take it out, it can't accomplish much by itself. Because all it is is just a single little piece of chain. But when you're united together, there is potential for great accomplishment. That's so what you and I are called to unite together so that we can completely completely bring the kingdom of, of God into this earth, right? Because when you're just all by yourself, you can't do much. And I, and I realize most of us don't know that. Um, most, most, is it okay just to change this and to just get a regular hand mic? Because <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be just like, mm-mm. All right, thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much better.
All right. Anyways, um, my point was this. This, this week as I've been praying that we would realize that we've been called because Christ is the head of the, of the church, right? In Ephesians, it says Christ is the head of the church. Um, we are to follow and submit. There's a line and there's an order that, that happens in the kingdom of God. And when you come into the kingdom of God, and my prayer is that the kingdom of God, like Jesus prayed, that the kingdom of God would, be, would come, right? Our prayer in, the, in, the, in Matthew 6 is, may the kingdom of God come. May your kingdom come as it is in heaven. Uh, that's what Jesus taught his, pray, his disciples to do, his disciples to pray. That my hope and my prayer this morning is that the kingdom of God would come into your life, into your family, into your situations. Wherever you're in, God would bring his kingdom. His situations around you would come. His, your situation would totally change around, and you would realize that you are not alone in that situation, that God is leading you out through that situation. This morning we were praying for some, uh, somebody was praying about people going through difficult situations. And the feeling oftentimes is, I'm in this alone. And my hope this morning is that you would realize or anchor your hope and anchor yourself in who Christ is. Chain yourself into who Christ is and trust. Give up that, give up that fear and trust that God is going to lead you to the end. God is going to lead you to the end. Um, sorry. Okay. I grew up in Kenya, and like Pastor Barry was talking about, um, and in Kenya, when um, you went to school, we had a pretty rigid curriculum, or rigorous curriculum, if I would say so. Uh, you have to test a lot of tests, and you have this high schools you can go. The high school, they have the best high schools that you can go. Have you have to get these certain marks? We would call them or points to get to that school. If you didn't make the cut, you are out, right? So um, you there was another level of high school you would go to, and there's eventually another like community high school you would go to right in your village, uh, or the same th- the same town that you grew up in. And in this, so you want to, there's that competitive aspect of, I want to make the best marks. I want to make the best, we call them marks. We call them, we, I want to make the best points. I guess it's an equivalent of what uh, the SAT scores are here. Or I, I don't know what people take here when you graduate uh, eighth grade going to high school. Um, but it's a pretty legit uh, comprehensive exam. All the way from first grade, they, you, they would test us anything from first grade that you entered in to that school all the way to eighth grade. So imagine revising or trying to go over your notes over the eight years you've been there, and they could test you on anything, right? So if it's math, they could test you on anything. You better remember that. If it's English, you better remember all of that. You better remember, you, and then you have to type a composition, or we call it an essay, uh, all of these things. But anyways, all that to say is there was a pressure to copy, to, to look over what is she or she writing down, and I know they're always very smart, right? I know they're always doing very good in class. What are they writing down? Can I see over what they're doing? And that's, that wasn't okay, right? I know people, a few people have been caught trying to cheat, what would you say, trying to cheat the, for the exams, right? All kinds of ways of cheating the exams. I know I've seen it. I work in elementary school here, and I've seen students come in. You know, there's all kinds of ways of trying to cheat, right? You can definitely look at someone's exam and, or paper and say, how come this looks so similar to that one, right? Who, who copied whose exam here? Or who copied who? What happened here, right? But it's not so in the kingdom of God. 
In the kingdom of God, you are encouraged to copy. And I, when this, this week I was, I, was, I, was, I was reading and praying and meditating on this, and I felt so liberated. In the kingdom of God, we have a great example, Jesus Christ. We are encouraged and in fact, we are asked that we would copy him, right? We would totally emulate him. He's the head. In that analogy I gave here of following him, you are definitely walking in his steps. You would be walking in his steps, walking in his steps, copying him every step of the way. And there is no judgment in doing so, right? There is no judgment in doing so. There is no that idea of like, you know what? Why can't I just do this on my own? I'm pretty smart enough. I can figure this all by myself. But in the kingdom of God, you come in the kingdom of God and you're like, yes, I have a master who did it all before me and I can just do what he did, right? I can just do what he did. I can just walk in his steps. And in the moments you feel like you're not doing so, he's right there asking you to do so, asking you to, I, I got this. I have this figured out. Just do what I did, right? I know Paul wrote in the book of, uh, in, Paul said, copy me or lead or do follow, copy what I do. Follow me as I follow Christ. That was the system, right? And I think in our culture today, in this American culture, we grow up in that idea of a competition. There's so much competition and there's so much um, just earthly thinking that we have that we face every day, Monday through Friday, in the, in the workplace, whatever you grow up in, even comparisons, right? Like in a family, at a home, um, with, us, with our kids, Ezra, Ezra and uh, he, has a, she, he has a bunch of friends. And every time they come over, you're always looking at him and saying, how is he, how's he doing? Is he in the same category with everybody else at his age level? He's four years old, right? Just about five years old in December. And you're, we're always comparing. And this week I've been feeling, no. God has a special plan for his life, right? He might not do it as everybody else is doing it. Or as, my, for those of you who don't know, I have a son who's four years old. His name is Ezra. And we're expecting, we're expecting a daughter, and I've been calling her, this whole time I've been calling her Esther, and uh, that hasn't been going too well with my family, but uh, I'm praying for them, that they catch that vision. <laughs> They're like, Esther is too old, and I'm like, hmm, Esther is a good name. Right. All right, she was a woman of God. She's a great woman of God. <laughs> so I got to preach this to them. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, this is besides the point. That's besides the point. But there's the idea of comparison. And I, know whether, I don't know whether these words and these thoughts have crossed your mind. How am I doing with everybody else? Everybody else seems to be doing good. And Pastor Barry has been speaking about this. He's been saying, you know, it's things that might not be as they seem to be, right? A lot of times we look at things and we compare ourselves, right? How am I doing with this? How, everybody else seems to be doing good, Right? Oh, the idea of trying to make people, so imagine this is where you're at, and you're pushing people along. You're the leader or whoever you are, maybe the head of the family, and you're pushing your family to the end goal, right? Instead of leading them or, following or, push or pulling them. I like, I'm so comfortable with, with the idea of pulling, and because that's what Christ does. He draws us to himself, right? He doesn't force himself. Right? He doesn't like push you to him, 
But he, by his love, will pull you in and draw you in slowly by slowly. And eventually, great work will begin to happen in your life. And I pray even this morning that he'll begin pulling your heart, pulling pulling things that have been, you know, being attached to you, they would start falling off, right? The lies of the enemy would start falling off, and you by your heart would start being drawn to Christ, being drawn to Christ, and things would begin changing in your life, right? So back to the idea of the family, of the family man, right? The head of the house pulling or pushing my family, I mean, pushing my family to be what I have in my mind instead of actually doing it, right? So you have people giving gifts, that trying to make the, 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 the pushing people towards what they want to be, right? I had this idea this morning, this week as I was preparing. Um, some of the ways people push each other or people try to pull, pull, push the team to be or the family to be what they have in their minds. Um, sorry, I'm going to have to get used to this whole thing. Um, is, uh, for example, Christmas gifts, right? You get a Christmas gift, and it's a dress or a shirt a, a size lower or a size less, right? What is the, that message, really? Are you trying to m- tell me something else, right? I'm like, you know my size. <laughs> oh, uh, no, no, that I have got that. <laughs> oh, 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 the gym membership, right? Oh, I don't know. It could be uh, some gifts, right? Like, really, seriously? Um, let's do this together. Really, what's that all about? Instead of trying to show people how to do this, we push people. We push people. And we tell them, you can do this. Why, why aren't you like this? Why aren't you perfect like this? Or why don't you seem to be perfect like she or he or whatever is going on? There's a lot of that mentality that, that goes on. And in, we're called as people who follow Christ to show people, to walk in that. And that's something that I've been walking in my life, in my, living in my heart, is that I'm called as the head of the house to lead. Instead of saying, let's do this, and pushing people towards that, I'm called to step out and actually do it. And actually do it. And then they might or may follow, Right? And I hope that they would, they would follow. But I'm called to step up and, and follow and, and follow Christ. He's my Lord and he's my example and I'm following him. Um, in the kingdom of God, like I said, we're called to copy Christ. In the, in the, in the test analogy that I gave, um, what will you have put down as the answer to your test when the test is collected or when the exam is collected? I know I use the American, the, still the African English or the British English, the test. That means the exam. Um, what, do you have, what would you have written down as the answer to a test, as the answer to the test that, that is life, that you're living, when a test is collected? Will it be Jesus? Will you have written down? I, I went to Bible college right here in Life Pacific College, and there's that temptation of giving answers to whatever, and whenever the professor would ask a question, we would all cyclically say or mockingly say, Jesus is the answer to everything, right? Because you're going to Bible college. Jesus is the answer to everything, right? But it's not just mockingly. Jesus is the answer to life. I know a lot of you guys are going through situations and things in life, and you don't know what the answer is. It's most likely not money. 
Because if you did or you had money, then you could buy the health, right? If you could do all of these things. But the answer is Jesus, right? It is not like in many religions of the world where it's knowledge, right? I think they teach that in, uh, in Buddhism, knowledge. Get more, get more knowledge. No, it's not. It's not in Muhammad or Allah. His, I mean, it's not in Allah and Muhammad, their prophet. It's in Christ, right? It's not in Hindu. In Hindu, there's like a million gods. Or I don't know how many gods they have in Hindu. It's in the one Jesus Christ, the only answer to life that you need, right? And I love the exclusivity of that, that he's the only answer. It's not about, it's not multiple choice, right? I had multiple choice exams going up, right? It could be this, it could be that, I don't know. No, it could, it's only Jesus, right? Right? So, and that's what, it's so simple, right? And I, I want to ask you guys to come into the kingdom of God in the, the mentality that when a kingdom of God comes, he simplifies things for us, and he leads us into truth. Um, he said, my sheep know my voice, right? This is something else I also grew up doing. I grew up taking care of my dad's sheep and cows and goats and camel. He had a bunch of stuff, a bunch of animals. And guess what my favorite animal was to take care of? Sheep. <laughs> Great. Right? It's so easy taking care of sheep. Right? But try taking care of goats. Right? This is who I was. Right? They are all over the place. You would be running up and down trying to chase them and guiding them into to whatever you're trying to do. Right? But sheep, I would just stand there and call them. And they would come. They would follow me. Right? This is what I did. I grew up doing. I was probably like, just a little bit like maybe fifth, sixth, Sixth grade, around that age, right? That's what you did after school. Go get, go bring home the sheep, all right? Right? So you go out there and do that. So anyways, just a little bit about myself. Maybe I should have told you that. Uh, but, um, but it's so easy taking care of sheep because they know the voice. They know the voice. I know there's, it's not, like I said, it wasn't, it's not cool to follow Right? It's not all that because you're not, you haven't figured it all out by yourself. You, you're trying to figure it all by yourself and you're all of this and all of that. But when you follow Christ, he leads you and he protects you. And I want to, I want to read it. I don't know whether I put that up there. Uh, a scripture out of John 10, 25. So if you do have a Bible, by the way, I should have said that. We're going to be in the book of Philippians quite a bit this morning. And we're also going to be in the book of John. So if you get your Bible, if you have your Bible, go to the book of Philippians chapter 2. You're going to be there quite a bit this morning. But I'm going to read something out of John chapter 10, 25. It's going to be old school. I have an actual Bible that I'm turning to, and I'm trying to remember where John is. So I got it. Are you guys there? You guys have a Bible and a pen? John 10, 25. I have already told you, and you, do not, you don't believe me. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. 
I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. My sheep follow me. And this is in the context of Jesus speaking to um, Jesus speaking to, it says it was winter. It was now winter. And Jesus in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival, dedicated. Uh, the people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And Jesus responds and says, I have already told you this. Because they just wanted to know, are you the Messiah, the one who was sent to save us? But do you think people in that congregation, some of them knew, some of them didn't know. And that's what he's saying. Some of you guys know. I have already told you this, but my sheep know my voice. And you, this whole idea of sheep, you, I would encourage you to go uh, looking in the book of John. Um, in, the, in the Gospels, God, Jesus speaks a lot about sheep and how they follow and who they are. And that's just because that's what everybody did in their, in their culture, in their agriculture culture. Um, it's a very easy analogy to use. Um, and I love the fact that he says he's, he's a shepherd. He's a great shepherd. He's a shepherd that we have, and he protects, right? Nobody can snatch you from him. Nobody. I like that, that he comes around and protects, that no power of the enemy can snatch you from, the, from him, from his hand, right? No wrong doctrine, no sound wrong doctrine can snatch you from him because you listen to his voice, and he gives you sound doctrine, he gives you peace and joy in your life that you will never perish. He'll guide you. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, uh, you can turn there. Oh, I don't know whether it's up there, but yeah. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what, he, what will he do? He'll leave the 99 and others in the wilderness and go searching for the one that's lost until he finds it. And when he found it, he would joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he would call together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. This is the idea of the shepherd who goes looking for the one sheep that's lost. He doesn't give up, Right? And I would encourage you not to give up for praying for people in your life that you have been praying for for a long time. Don't give up. Because God is drawing them to, to himself, right? Remember your place or who you are in the kingdom of God. You're to do it. In you just doing it and you're just leading every step following Christ, you're drawing men to, to Christ because you're leading life by an example. You're being the example, right? You're not pushing them. Right? And a lot of us tend to push people towards the kingdom of God. Right? But in you following them, in you following Christ, just by so doing, you're a light. Just by doing so, you're different. You're other than. You're the salt and the light of the earth. By so doing. And so by so doing, you, you draw people to Christ. You draw your family members to Christ who haven't known Christ. And like Jesus says in, in this, in this um, parable, in this example... 
If a man has lost a sheep, he's going to go out looking for one. He's going to go look, looking for one. And there's going to be a party when he finds the one that's lost. When Pastor Barry asked me to, to, um, to share, one of the thoughts, the first thoughts I had in my mind was, it's up to what to, type, what to call the message was, it's not about you. But then I thought a little bit of that. I was like, hmm, that's a little harsh, right? Because a lot of us, it's, we come into the kitchen, into church, and like, well, I'm all this and all that. But then I'm here saying, it's not about you, right? I'm like, hmm, it's a little harsh, right? So I went back to the Lord, and I said, God, what do you have for us? Uh, what, do you want us what do you want me to share? There's still that idea of it's not about you, but it's not from a, from a judgmental attitude or anything like that. It's actually from the attitude of asking you to realize that you're part of a chain. You're part of a bigger chain. As a body of Christ, it's not just about you as a single link to the chain. It's about you joining and linking with other Christians and believers of Christ and followers of Christ and becoming a massive force of, on earth, right? Because as a, as a big chain, we can actually accomplish a lot of things as a church, right? That's who we are called to be. But if a single, single self realizes I'm stuck in this, a lot of us, I mean, a lot of this culture is like me and my problems, right? And, and I'm here this morning to encourage you to step out of that. Me and my issues, me and my stuff that I'm going through right now, step out of that and start serving people. Start, step out of that and start giving of yourself to people. And then you realize there is actually a lot more. God is calling me to serve more. And there's, I don't know whether there have been studies, but I read somewhere or heard somebody say that serving cures or helps cure depression. Because people who are depressed and so consumed by who they are and what their issues are going through, the moment they stop doing that and the moment they see other people and the moment they start serving other people, just all of a sudden, the the sadness, the depression starts fading, start fading. There's something, there's a purpose to their life. They realize, you know what? I'm called for more than this. I'm called for more than that. And the same is in the kingdom of God, right? We're called to give of ourselves, to realize that I can't do this by myself. It's not just about me. And I'm called to link with other Christians and follow with Christ and serve um, I lost my place. I'm trying to get it. All right. So, so the word engage, this is what the Lord gave me to share this morning. Engage. Um, I'm trying to find where I wrote the meaning. Engage. I'm trying to find out where I wrote the meaning of it. Uh... All right, well, I'll just read. Engage. So we're called to engage with the world, with the world, with people, going into the world. There's going to be three points, and we're called to engage with the body of Christ, and then we're called to engage with the word, which is Jesus Christ. Um, in the book of, actually, so let me just give, uh, the, the idea of engage, I found it. The idea of being engaged is, capt is to capture or to occupy one's attention, to fit together like gears into a machine, 
But specifically for this message, the word engage would mean for us to interact, to get busy doing God's kingdom work. It means to get, to get out of the sidelines for us, and this is what I felt in my heart, to get out of the sidelines like spectators would in a game and to get into the game. Engage in the battle, for we're in a battle, right? You guys know we're in a battle as Christians. It's, a phys- it's not a physical battle, but it's a spiritual battle. Uh, we're called to engage spiritually, engage ourselves, and stand strong. We're called to have a mission, to have a purpose of the body of Christ designed and fashioned by the Lord Jesus with a specific goal and mission. At Thrive, we have a purpose. At this church, we have a purpose. The goal, the goal of this church or the, the, the mission of this church, when once we come along the leadership in this church and we align with the leadership of this, of this church, we're to fully occupy and be present in this church, right? To win, the soul, to win souls for the kingdom. Go with me to the book of Matthew 28, chapter nine, 20, Matthew 28 and verse 19. It says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the promise that Jesus gave to his disciples on the last day as he was, right, as he was sending to heaven. It says, go ye and make disciples of the, of the world. In the city that we live in, we have a mission, and that is to engage this city. And that's to in, interact with this city and speak Christ and speak hope in this city. In this city, when you look around and when you drive around in this city, everything seems fine. It's not, yesterday we went to L.A., to the fashion district, you know, one of the districts in L.A. And it felt to me like this is the missions field, pretty much. There's so much need. There's so much heart. There's so much just brokenness, right? It's not like driving in Grandora. It's not like driving in San Dimas or Laverne. Totally two different worlds. But the needs still exist. But the needs still exist, right? You may drive around Grandora, or drive around Covina, Sandimas, wherever you live, and feel like everything is okay. Everybody seems to have it together. But it's not the case. People need Jesus. People need, people need the Holy Spirit in their lives. People need to know that God loves them, right? And that's who you are. That's who you're called to be. So my hope and my prayer this morning is that you would step out. Or the fear it is, whatever fear it is, Whatever uh, is holding you back, and start sharing Christ, and start sharing the love of God. Don't shy away. Don't shy away, f- away from people. We are messy. People are messy, right? There's a lot. There's a fear of like interacting with people because then this, then stuff happens, right? Because then what if they say this? Or there's all kinds of things. People are messy, and that's the idea we should go in with at the beginning. We should know that. God has loved us with his everlasting love. No matter the, how messy the situation is, he cares, and he loves us, and he's there to heal and mend the situation. The second verse, I mean the second point, we're, we're called to in, engage with each other. The book of Philippians, this is what I was saying, we're going to be here quite a bit. The book of Philippians chapter 2, if you could turn there. Philippians 2. 
a little bit about the book of Philippians. Um, <clears throat> Paul is writing to the book to the church at Philippi, and it's an encouraging letter. It is real one of his, one of Paul's encouraging letters, um, and in, and ex, and he's writing to them to unite. The message, the theme throughout is to unite and be a force in that city and turn around that turn around that city. Continue, stop complaining. There's that element of complaining. Stop complaining and stop comparing people and just unite and serve because there's a mission and purpose that you have. So the book of Philippians chapter 2. Found it. Chapter 2, and I'm just going to start reading a little bit of 2 from 1 to 7. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. So he tells me, is there any, make me happy. Is there any comfort, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in his spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly. How, how many people know that's not easy? Agreeing wholeheartedly. Because the moment you get people together, there's bound to be all kinds of opinions, all kinds of ideas. And that's good. We need those things. That's, that's why we're different people. That's why we're no, no one is the same. We need different ideas. We need different approaches. We need different, uh, we need you. We need you and what you bring to the table. You're needed in the body of Christ. But then we have to agree. We have to submit ourselves to the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ and follow Christ, right? So that's not easy. And this is what Paul is writing to the church. Make me happy by agreeing wholeheartedly. Make me truly happy by coming together and agreeing wholeheartedly. Work together with one mind and one purpose. Out. One mind and one purpose. Not a different idea, not so many different purposes, but with a one mind and one purpose. For us as Thrive Church, that's to see the kingdom of God happen in this city. That's to see the kingdom of God happen in your life. May the kingdom of God begin happening in your life. For us as Thrive Church here is to value people. One of our values here is people matter. And I want you to feel that you matter. That's a value that we have here at Thrive Church. Another value we have is that Christ, Christ died, so that's why people matter, right? Everybody matters, right? So that's the idea behind the people matter idea, that we go out and say, Christ died for you. Christ loves you. All right, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that was in Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. 
I'm reading from the NLT as just, as, as just a side note. I love the NLT. This is the New Living Translation. This is the attitude that was Christ Jesus. I think a lot of um, the church, I mean, a lot of us in the kingdom of God, we don't realize that Christ came to serve. Christ did not come to be served. He came to serve. That was the attitude that he had. And I pray that we would begin to have that attitude in our lives and in our minds that I'm here to serve. And when you come into a church or a congregation like this, I think the first, attitude, the first question should be, what can I do? What can I, what can I do to serve you? How can I help you? Instead of what can I get from this? And I think a lot of people come in with the idea of what can I get from this? What can, I, what can this church do for me? And it should be the other way. What can I do in this church? What can I do for this congregation? What can I share? And you do have something to share. You do have a place to share. And you do have a place in the kingdom of God. The enemy might say, you know, you don't. But that's a lie of the enemy. Because you do have a place in the kingdom of God. No matter how little. Um, when he, so back to verse 6. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling Instead, he gave himself his divine privileges. He gave up so that you might have something. God gave up. He gave up his place in heaven. And he said, I'm coming to die with one specific mission and purpose for the, for, to show love. So he humbled himself into obedience and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow. Every, where it says, in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and, under, and in heaven and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Philippians 2, 1 through 7. All right. There's a story I wanted to read you guys. Hopefully it shows up here. There's a story that appeared in a magazine. Um, a magazine, I'm, I'm just going to read it. A magazine once carried a series of pictures that depicted one of the saddest stories imaginable. The first picture was a vast wheat field in Kansas. It was a farm of Western, in western Kansas. From horizon to horizon, all you could see was wheat waving in the wind. The second picture was of a mother, a mother in distress inside her house in the middle of the wheat field. She had lost her small boy in the wheat field. She was in distress. She was troubled. She called her husband, and the two of them had searched all day long to find the little boy. And they had finally decided to give up and call. And I, I grew up on, like, around wheat, this is something you would see. Like if something gets lost in there, some, you won't find it. It's really hard to find, right? So, and imagine some, from end to end, all as far as the eye can see is wheat. And she had lost a little boy, about four years old, in the wheat field. And he got disoriented. He couldn't find where, which, where home was, right? Got lost in the wheat. And... Uh, um, the dad and her had searched all day long. They could not find the boy. They knew the boy was too little to see over the wheat field. The third picture 
showed or depicted um, the people from the, from the town, the people that had heard about the town, joining hands in hand and forming a great line like I had with this chain, forming a great line, combing through the wheat field, going through the wheat field, trying to find this boy. Because that's the most easier way of finding somebody who's, or something that's lost in there. You have to join hands and go through it. And the last picture is a heartbreaking picture. It was the picture of the father standing over the, the dead body of this little son. This is the following day. They had found him, but he was dead. It was too late. A cold, cold night had claimed his life. Underneath the final picture were the words, Oh God, if only we had joined hands sooner. If only we had joined hands sooner. And when I think of this story, I think of the church and who we are called to be as followers of Christ. To join hands now, not later, not tomorrow, now. So put up our differences apart and find lost souls. And find lost souls. Because they're dying all around us. And you might not notice it. Everything might seem okay. But they're dying and they need Christ. And this is the calling that we have as a body of Christ. To unite and find lost souls to unite and take care of each other. Because you might be here this morning at this church. Everything is okay. Everything seems okay. But you're dying on the inside. And I don't want you to go out that door and feel like you're all alone. Because we're here. And that we love you. As bodies, as believers of Christ, as followers of Christ, as the body of Christ. We are to be that peace to one another. We're supposed to take care of one another in that, in that essence. And we do that at Thrive Church, right? We do that at Thrive Church, right? Right. Okay. The final picture, or the final uh, uh, word that I had this morning, um, this week as I was preparing to, pray, to, to preach or to speak with you guys this morning, was to, we are called to engage with the word. This morning we had communion, and the words that kept ringing in my mind and in my heart this week were, give me this day my daily bread, from Matthew 6. And for those of you, I know there's a lot of you guys who um, have the app. How many people have the app, the devotional app? I think I see a few of you guys on there. I see you on there reading every week, every day. I check up on you. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't check up on you. Um, but this is the picture we are supposed to have. Or oh, the idea that with the daily bread, or oh, the, the idea that I had in the mo- this week as I was preparing, is give me my daily bread. How many people know that when Christ was saying, teaching his disciples, give us this day our daily bread, it wasn't just about bread. Because he's the living bread. I'm the bread of life. That's what he says in the book of um, Matthew, in the Gospels. <laughs> I'm, he's the bread of life. John, John 6, he's the bread of, he's the bread of life. Um, there is a devotional, I could not find it this week, but uh, the moment I had this in, the, in my mind this week, there's a devotional that I grew up seeing in my, my home, my family's home. 
is called The Daily Bread. It had like the picture, and it's a little book, and I, I don't know whether they still sell them or you can find them, whatever. But the idea in there is that you could open the scripture, and there was a little short story, and you could read it every day. It has numbers of gen- from January all the way to December, the daily bread, right? So when you come to the, to the Word of God, when you come to the scriptures, it shouldn't be just a once-a-week idea. It shouldn't be just a once-a-week, when I come to Sunday, that's when I open my Bible. It should be a daily, daily habit. Daily, daily habit. He became flesh. The word Jesus Christ became flesh. Right? When you had communion this morning, I didn't even think about this when I was preparing the, we're going to have communion. And the communion signifies or symbolizes the bread of life, the word. Jesus Christ was the bread of life. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Daily. How often? As often as you gather. Do this in remembrance of me. But he's calling you to interact with him daily. Interact with the word of God. When you approach the word of God, you should be approaching it as the living God. I'm coming to commune with the living God. I'm coming to submit myself and listen to what God has for me today. Daily. I like the devotion that we have because it kind of gives you every day. You just don't have to. There's a passage in Scripture for every day that you need to read. I like that. that it's a devo- it, and I, one of the other things I like is that I can just plug it into my ears. And I don't have to actually read it. I can just listen to it. Because the moment you get that word, it starts building you up and making your life a strong foundation, putting your life on a strong foundation that cannot be shaken. Because troubles of this life, they do come, right? Jesus says, speaking of the man who built his house in the sand, the trouble or the storm came to both. One of them, and I like the, I like the, 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 the constant idea that the storm did not just happen on the person who had his house on the sand. No, it happened as well to the person who had his house on solid rock. So storms of this life, they do happen. To everybody. It will happen to everybody. But where is your house built on? Where is your life built on? So the idea that I have for me when I approach the scriptures, on my mind is, in my back of my mind is, I'm building my house on solid foundation. Every day. I'm coming to interact with Jesus. I love the scriptures so much. I think if we had more time, we'd just dive into the scriptures. It's a daily word. It's a daily habit for me, and it has become a daily habit for me. And I would encourage you to start small. Uh, last week, we had a preacher here spoke about the habits or the disciplines of, of Christian life. And he said the idea he had was start small. Because the moment you start small, it builds up. It builds up. Once you start getting into this word, it builds up, it builds up, it builds up, and pretty soon you're going to Bible college right? Or something like that, right? And your life is built on solid foundation. It's not, it's not going to shake. It's not going to move. You're going to know. This, the incredible thing about this is that it was written long ago, but to this day, it's too relevant. To this day, it's too relevant. It's living. It's active. It's living and it's active. It's the Word of God. And if anything else, you would get this. 
is that the moment you live here, you would look at the Word of God from a new perspective. As God setting out a table daily for you to come and dine with Him. Daily for you to come and dine with Him. Right? This is a spiritual body. This is your spiritual soul. Your spiritual body that we're taking care of. The spiritual discipline. Right? Because I think in the physical world, we get lost with just physical bread. We just, we just think about physical bread. Because how many people forget to eat, right? Your body will remind you to eat, right? Sooner or later, right? You can't go too long without eating. Or as your body will start, hey, I need food. But your spiritual body will not do that. You have to start feeding it. And the moment you start feeding it, it's going to remind you. Because the moment you start getting into the Word of God, it starts becoming that daily piece of who you are. And it just starts bubbling up. The moment you encounter situations, things change. And the Word of God come, comes up from you. And you start sharing the Word of God and start ministering into your heart the Word of God. So why daily? Uh, I'm reminded of the children of Israel coming from Egypt to, going from Egypt to Canaan that God provided manna for them daily. It wasn't like, you know, every two weeks, right? Or every one week, it was daily. And it's showing the idea of dependence on God. In Deuteronomy, we're supposed to recite the word of God. And I will use the, the, the bread, the words, the words bread, interchangeably with the word of God. So I hope you're tracking with me in that piece, that the Word of God, I can interchangeably say the bread of life, the Word of God, Jesus Christ. In book of John chapter 1, actually, let's read that real quick. John 1, 1. Um, the book of John chapter 1. He became flesh. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 14, So the Word became human. And made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And he has, and we have seen his glory. And glory to the Father's one and only Son. Talking about Christ. That he was there at the beginning. And if you read the book of Proverbs, he talks about wisdom being at the beginning. The very beginning. And God sent his word. And the word that was there at the beginning... In my mind, I think of just words coming out and God saying, let there be, and there was, right? Just the awesomeness of God, just using words to say, let there be, and there, there is. Those same words, with the same power, actually became flesh, living flesh. You could walk up to the Word and have a conversation with the Word, right? Like you could walk up to the Word and feel it. Pinch it, whatever, right? You could walk up to Jesus and, I don't know, pierce him like they did on the cross. 
You could walk up to Jesus and hang him on the cross, the word of God, like they did. And they did all these things to Christ. He became flesh, right? And guess what came out when he, he was pierced on the side? Water is another symbolism of the word of God. Word, the word came out, right? It's another symbol of who God is. The word came out. I like the, that so much that when I come to the words of God daily, I think of me communing with God daily with the Son of God. And, he, and I come to him and I listen to what he has for me to say. I mean, he has to say for me today. And I obey. I follow. I step after his step. God, what are you telling me? What are you directing me to do in this situation? And I'll step after your step. I'll follow. That's who we are called to be. Interact with God daily. The same idea goes if you have a relationship with somebody, if it's a strong relationship, a spouse, a strong relationship, there's a daily communion that happens there. It's not a, it's not a one-time communion. It's not a weekly. It's not a, a monthly communion. It's a daily talk with your best friend, and he guides you. This is what happens when you come to the Scripture with our heart, with our mind, mindset. The Scripture, the Son of God, the Holy Word of God, brings direction. In book of Timothy, Paul writing, we have been reading about, a lot about Timothy in the book of this week, right? For those of you guys who have been in the Word uh, with, I should just share, what's the, word, the app called? Holy Bible. That's the app. If, you try, if you're lost on what I'm talking, you version, right? You version. Holy Bible, your version. Um, get on there and log in and start communing with people who go to this church. I see a, a bunch of you guys there. And it's going to be a daily habit, so it, gives, it keeps you in check. Um, but it, we've been reading a lot about Timothy. One of the books, uh, in, the, in the book of Timothy, uh, chapter 4, First Timothy chapter 4. Paul writes to Timothy. And Timothy, by the way, was... Uh, young in faith and young also in age, and he was just beginning out, just starting out. And Paul writes to encourage him, and to as and you read the book of Timothy, it's just like a son to his, I mean, a father to his son, speaking hope and encouragement and guiding him right in faith, right. So when I read that, I'm like, yes, this is just like me. It's just like my father writing to me, and I'm just excited to dive into the Word of God daily. And he says, devote yourself daily to the public. Devote to, and he says, First Timothy 4, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Preaching. My Scripture. My, um, it's not there. <clears throat> So devote yourself daily to the, to the reading of Scripture and preaching daily. The idea of devotion here, I'm just going to say what I meant. The, the idea of devotion is complete dedication, 100% dedication. In the Christian faith, I think the best example of a devout Christian throughout the ages would be the monks, right? They were devout. The, they were just in the monastery, day in, day out, reading the Word of God, reading the Word of God throughout history, right? In other faiths, we have devout 
Islamists, right, who are just like have the I, wrong idea who become from of their religion, they're just so devoted on that whole idea that they are devout to kill people, to do bad things to people. That's what they, that's what they teaches them. That's what Islam teaches them to do, and that's wrong. But as a Christian, we're called to be devout to the Word of God. Devote to the Word of God. Dedicated to the Word of God. Devote yourself to the Word of God. Devote yourself to reading it daily, to preaching. And I like the idea it says public reading of Scripture. Because I imagine in those days, they would have one Bible or one scroll, right? Those giant scrolls. And they would be read out at the public places, right? So it wasn't just like you have your Bible in your pocket everywhere you go or your Bible in your bedroom or in your house. It was one scroll for, I don't know, the temple or the, whatever they had in there. So they would read it out to everybody so that everybody would hear it. And this is what Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, devote yourself to that. Get, set aside time for that. Don't concern yourself with a whole lot of other things. This is important. Highlight this. Be on this. Put yourself and your time aligned to this. So the idea of devotion is the idea of cutting out distractions. And in our life today, we do have a lot of distractions. Right? We have a lot of TV to watch. We have a lot of meetings to go to. We have a lot of just stuff that's happening every day. Right? And you just don't know how to deal with it. But Christ is calling you to set aside time for him, right? Set aside, set aside time. It could be in the morning. This is what I like. I like doing that in the morning, the before the kids wake up. Because <laughs> when they wake up, it's all gone, right? The day is gone, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's all about them when they wake up. So I have to make time personally to get up before they do and devote myself for that. Right? It could be on your commute. It could be whatever it is. As is your time in God and start building that time uh, with God. I know some of you guys are probably evening people. It could be in that evening person. When everybody else has gone to bed, you have a moment with God. And he's going to build you up. And he's going to show. And the little dots are going to begin to connect. And you're going to see that you're a bigger piece in the kingdom of God. You're a, bi- you're a little piece in the bigger giant piece of the kingdom of God. Scripture counsels out wrong thinking. Right? It prunes wrong thinking. Time is gone. <laughs> Scripture counsels, I'm almost done. Scripture brings life. Right? Jesus comes to share life and hope and direction. Right? The words of God give life. This morning we were praying and it's the idea of when God speaks, there is hope. There is peace. Because the moment he speaks, then there's life. That's what he did in Genesis 1. He spoke, and things life and happened. Life happened because he spoke, right? So the moment he speaks to you daily, life begins to happen in your family, in your home, brings hope and brings life, and it brings direction, right? In the book of Romans, chapter, um, Romans 12, 2, I'm trying to go quick. I know some of you guys are like, is this Kenyan church? <laughs> We're too long. Um, is the idea that renew your mind, renew yourself daily with the Word of God. That's what happens. The Word of God cleanses. 
and it renews your mind, and it transforms your thinking. It cancels out wrong thinking. And I know you may not know it, but wrong thinking happens all the time. Wrong thinking is the idea that I am not enough. I am not who God called me to be. I cannot be what God called me to be. Right? It's the lies of the enemy. You're not meant to be that. You're not meant to have that. And that happens. The enemy sneaks in his thoughts and his minds all the time. In our minds all the time. But the word of God cancels that out. If you have the word of God in you, it will cancel that out. Scripture heals. The word of God heals. He sent his word to heal. Hey, there you are. He sent his word to heal. Heal your diseases. In the book of Psalms. Psalms 107. I'm trying to remember this. Psalms 107. He sent his word and healed your diseases. That's what God does. He sends his word and heal your diseases. Um, in the book of First Kings, there's a story I was telling my, my son this week because this story was in my heart and my mind this week. Um, is where Elijah comes to this village. God sends Elijah. God, by the way, um, had fed Elijah through using the ravens, and, and they brought bread to him. This was a time when Elijah said there was going to be drought. There was not going to be rain in, this, in the land. And uh, it was dry. There was, there was a big famine for three years. And Elijah, Elijah was sent by God to hide in a place where it's called Brook There was a brook, there was a stream of water, and ravens, birds of the air, brought food to him and fed him. And at a time the brook dried up, God sent him to a woman, a widow, in the, in the, the widow of Zarephath, it's called. I don't know where they put that up there. It's called the widow of Zarephath. And she, he comes up to this widow, and she is trying to find some, some firewood, some sticks, so she can make some food for her son and her to eat and die, because that's how desperate the situation was. And so the story was in my heart this week, and I was, Ezra came up, to, Ezra, my son again, he came up to me and said, what are you reading? Which is the first time he's ever asked me that, right? So I'm reading the story, and I tell him, okay, well, I'm reading the story about this, this lady who was asked to give of her last meal by the prophet Elijah. And he's like, his eyes are like, what? Tell me more, right? So, and I tell him, he's four years old. You're going to imagine this. I tell him, I told him, imagine you didn't have any food, right? And you had like nothing left, just a little bread that you have, and that's all you had. And I came up to you, or somebody came up to you, your friend, and they said, and you are very hungry. For, don't forget this. You hadn't eaten for days, and you just had this little food that you have, and that's all you had. And this is Ezra, and I told him, would you share your food with somebody who came up to you and said, could you please share your food with me? And he stared at me and he said, no, I'm not sharing my food. I'm like, right, I know, right? starts young. At four years old, he would not share his food. Even though it was like the last, I'm like, yeah. A lot of people would not share, right? That's, that's who we are. We would not share it. But the prophet comes to this widow, and she's preparing to make her last meal. Her last meal. 
for her and her son so that they can eat and die. And he comes and says, would you please bake me some bread? Would you please share? Would you please give me some bread? And she's, she goes on to say, yeah, I know I have this last meal, and this is for me and my son, and we haven't, we're going to die after this because there's no more food in the country or in the land. But he says, there will be food. So she's faced with the idea of, do I trust this man and give her food? And either way, right, do I trust this man? Do I trust this prophet? But she decides to trust the prophet. She decides to trust the, the man of God. And she bakes bread and she gives it to him. And from that moment on, until the drought was over, I would encourage you to read the story in the book of First Kings 17. From that moment on until the drought was over, there was always food. It never lacked. They never lacked. God always provided. I, I am blown away by that idea because God provided for this family, for this son and woman, son and, son and mother, and the prophet until the drought was over and then there was more food, right? He sustained them. God multiplied food. It's like the first miracle of multiplication of food. I know in this Western culture, when you grow up, you don't really, most people don't even know where like food is grown and food is, I work with these kids and they have no idea where the, their, you know, their cereal, how their cereal is made. They just know their cereal in the, in the pantry, right? They have no idea. But when you come up from a culture like the Kenyan culture, you know when the rain doesn't fall, there's not going to be food, right? You know that, right? We pray for rain. <laughs> when was the last time you prayed for rain, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So, um, so I read the story and I'm like, God, this is, this is, just amazing how God multiplies food out of nothing and makes provision out of nothing. And the moment I read this this week, I was like, what are you asking of me, God? And I get to share that with you this morning, is the fact that God is asking for you to share whatever you have, however little you think it is, however little you think it is, he's asking for you to share. It might be your skills, it might be your time, however little time you have. I know a lot of you live, we live very, very busy lives, right? We don't have time for other people. <laughs> we don't have time to share God's kingdom and God's, who God is. But God is asking you to share that time. And he's going to multiply it. He's going to multiply it. It might be bread, actual bread. Welcome people into your house. Dine with people. Commune with people. That's one of the ways you give people and you value people, right, is the moment you welcome them into the house and share, who you, share, the, king, share the good news of the kingdom of God. It might be money, finances. However little finances you have, right? For me, I know God is calling me to share finances. However little finances I have, I'm called to give that. Make it a priority in my mind to share that. To give because he's going to multiply it, right? For me, that was my call, to give. And I'm like, God, you know I don't have much. You know I don't have a whole lot to share. But he's asking me to give and to trust me because he's going to multiply it. So as, as we come, as we stand up and uh, pray. <laughs>
Okay, we're going to close on prayer. <laughs> All right, because time is gone. So I would ask you to stand up. <clears throat> I know we've shared a lot this morning. We've shared about following Christ, trusting Christ, asking Christ to lead us and guide, direct our steps and submitting, right? Because in following this submission, following is not so cool. We're called in this kingdom of God to follow and trust that God will align everything. God will make everything work out. And we're called to engage with people, engage with the world, engage with the word of God. My prayer is this morning that you would begin to meditate on God's word daily. Begin to meditate on God's word every day and that it would build you up and change your life. And by so doing, You'll be a light shining. You'll be a light shining. You'll be the salt and light in this world. And then people will be drawn to the kingdom of God. And then we also say that God sent his word to heal our diseases. All right, sicknesses. My prayer this morning is that God will begin healing your souls, healing your minds, healing your actual physical bodies. Whatever it is that has been a burden on your mind and on your heart and your physical body, that would begin to be healed this morning. A healing would begin to happen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So I'm going to pray for you guys that you guys this, go out this week, that you'll be in the presence of God, that your life will be changed. So Lord God Almighty, this morning I come to you, and I come with a humble heart, and I ask that God Almighty, you'd begin healing our lives, that we'll begin to align with who you are and what you've called us to be, that we'll begin following you every day, day out, that Jesus, our minds will be set on you and nothing else, that you, we would look up to you and where you last stepped, and we would step there, and we would wait for the next instruction because you're our daily bread. I pray that you would give us this day, our daily bread, that we would never go hungry, physically and spiritually, but even more spiritually, that our spiritual man would be edified and built strong because you have been our daily bread. I pray that God Almighty, hearts and souls this morning would know that you care and that you love them that you're here to supply every need in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would meet every need that is in this house, be it spiritual or physical. Lord, I pray that you would meet it in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would begin to change our hearts and minds to be like you. The more we look into the Word, the more we begin getting transformed and changed into the image that you have for us, that we would see Christ in us, and Christ in each other as we join together as the body of Christ. Remember the team that's coming from Kenya, and we pray that you would keep them safe, that you would begin uh, just, I, I pray that you would touch the lives that they have already touched in Kenya. I pray that you would uh, begin building their hearts and their souls as they reflect on the flight back on what you have done in their lives. I pray that God Almighty, they will never forget this trip 
because you've done some great work in their lives. Thank you, Jesus, for this week. As we embark on this week, I pray that we would have you in our mind and in our heart every day. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and protect you and guide you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You're dismissed, by the way. So sorry. It was long, long, long sermon.